The promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician. And she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and post-partisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, here's your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. Welcome to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. I'm a businesswoman, not a politician. I fix problems. I don't make them. And whether the CEO of a small, medium, or global enterprise or the president of the United States, the buck does stop on your desk. Only the big, tough problems reach your desk for a decision, ending in an an economic or socially crippling pandemic, for example, shepherding a transformative bipartisan infrastructure package through Congress, or ending a 20-year war halfway around the world. Those are the tough decisions we elected Joseph R. Biden Jr. to make on our behalf. But it's not enough to make decisions. They've got to be the right decisions. Decisions that build confidence in the American people. And that's why watching the unraveling of our Afghanistan presence has left me so troubled. It's not that I don't agree with President Biden's inclination to end our engagement in Afghanistan, a one-year war fought 20 times over. It's the way the decision was made and the appalling, inexplicable lack of contingency planning, the what-if planning, the what-if, the absolute bottom-falls-out planning that was not done before the final decisions and dates were announced publicly. The bottom falling out was a possibility our Kabul embassy suggested to the Secretary of State weeks ago. It's one our military leaders warned Biden of. It's the manner in which Biden made the decisions that has so shaken my confidence in his leadership skills. And I know I'm not alone. Plus, a loss of confidence in the president's leadership could not come at a worse time for this nation. Folks, we're in trouble. The internal divisions in this, in the body politic in this country are probably more acute than at any time since the 1960s. Homeland Security and the FBI are warning of threats of domestic terrorism, putting a mask on our unvaccinated children to protect them from COVID as our schools reopen is now a political statement. There is a systematic attack on voting rights that has the potential to disenfranchise the majority of Americans. There is a systematic attack on voting rights that has the potential to disenfranchise the majority of Americans, less through voter suppression and more through voter nullification. And for the first time in our history, the former president is behaving like the emperor in exile, 
instead of the humbled, electorally defeated X that he is, who now criticizes the very deal he made with the Taliban in 2020. If all that were not enough, President Biden can't even control the competing factions in his own party. And that's jeopardizing the healing bomb of cooperation so hard won in the Senate's passage of the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Mitch McConnell voted for the darn thing. And now Ms. Ocasio-Cortez wants to scuttle it. And Nancy Pelosi is going along with her. Just say no, Joe. The COVID pandemic is a long way from over. While the GOP politicizes vaccines and masking is truly an act, a despicable act, the CDC's stream of conscience decision-making leaves way too much room for popular confusion and doubt. The virus continues to evolve, forcing changes that leave every sector of our economy and our educational system gripped by paralyzing uncertainty which in turn leads to an erosion of popular trust and popular will. Inflation and unemployment are both contributing to economic uncertainty that can morph easily into a dangerous economic instability, an instability that has the potential to worsen because of dramatic weather swings. So you know what, folks? Climate change is happening much faster than any of us predicted. And electric vehicles will not stop this, despite happy events on the South Lawn. While all of this has been swirling around us, we've been comforting ourselves for months now, thinking that Biden had this, that he was the mature leader surrounded by experienced professionals. Until now until this utterly predictable and completely mismanaged Afghanistan withdrawal. I'm no military planner, but when President Biden first announced a withdrawal of the remaining troops from Afghanistan before September 11, 2021, my mind's eye returned reflexively to the images of the last helicopter leaving the U.S. Embassy roof in Saigon in 1975. If I saw the coming chaos while sitting in front of the television in my living room, I can only imagine what our military leaders saw in their mind's eye. The Trump administration's 2020 Doha Treaty with the Taliban left President Biden with few new or good cards to play. And that's a fact. And we can ask later, what was Mike Pompeo, who was number one in his West Point class, what was Mike Pompeo thinking when he signed that deal? But for now, for now, the withdrawal timetable and the withdrawal planning is on Biden. And that's why my confidence has been so shaken. While I will give him points for taking ownership of the decision to withdraw from Afghanistan, saying the buck stops here, the execution of that decision involves at least three grievous errors in judgment. First, 
he did not listen to his military and civilian national security advisors, who cautioned that conditions on the ground would deteriorate once he announced a date certain for withdrawal. Second, despite all the happy talk about bipartisanship and crossing the aisle, there is zero evidence that President Biden actively engaged the 17 members of Congress from both parties who served in Afghanistan or Iraq, each of whom bring insight both from the perspective of their on-the-ground service and their current engagement with veterans groups. I have no way to know if their input might have influenced President Biden's decision-making, but it might have. It would have, at minimum, lent credibility to his claims to honor and appreciate the sacrifice of 775,000 U.S. veterans who served in theater. Third, and most damning, President Biden broke a solemn promise to the American people. He lied to us. He lied about the strength and capability of the Afghanistan army, which is wholly dependent on the command, logistical, and air support of United States personnel. 18,000 U.S. contract support personnel that he withdrew. He lied about the independent capability of this army, even as it was collapsing in the field. He lied about the relationship between the Taliban and Al-Qaeda. They are one and the same. They were, they are, they will be. He lied about having an over-the-horizon, quote-unquote, counterterrorism capability to keep an eye on any potential terrorist training camps springing up in Afghanistan. The truth is that Putin in June rejected Biden's request to establish that capability in one of the former Soviet Central Asian stands. We've previously used those stands for logistical purposes and for counterterrorism purposes, but Biden said, but Putin said no. At this point, as we speak, we are blind to the reemergence of such threats to either us or our allies. And in my mind, that's an incalculable risk. He lied when he first tried to express surprise at the resulting chaos as Afghan cities fell one after another under Taliban control and Kabul fell without a shot fired 11 days after U.S. troops left Bagram under the cover of darkness. Only under sharp questioning by George Stephanopoulos did Biden acknowledge we've always known there'd be chaos. And I, there are quotes there. Quote, we've always known there'd be chaos, end quote. The biggest lie of all was when he stood in the gold room of the White House, looked at the camera and said, we'd get every American out of Afghanistan safely, as well as our Afghan SIV, special immigrant visa partners. Every bit of evidence to date 
demonstrates that in April and again in July, when these words were uttered, there was no written, rehearsed, tested, and then briefed to the president plan to do any such thing. We can thank senior military advisors for at least persuading Biden to allow them to pre-position troops and planes in the Middle East. Even while he was denying knowledge that the end was at hand. You know what? The C-17 pilots did not believe him. Those pilots and their crew members knew. Several brought toys their own children had outgrown to help with calming Afghan refugee children they would meet. As late as today, Saturday, August 21st, there is no cogent plan to complete our evacuation by the end of August or some certain date thereafter. We've more than doubled the number of U.S. military personnel on the ground in Afghanistan from pre-withdrawal dates. And we've done it under the forbearance of the Taliban, if you can believe such a thing. Only in his third attempt to, and I'll put it in air quotes, level with the American people, did he acknowledge the risk of casualties to U.S. personnel involved in the evacuation effort. Further, he had to acknowledge under pressure that we had more airlift capacity than confirmed destinations for those planes because nobody had planned for enough destinations, intermediate destinations for those C-117s. Only today, today, Saturday, August 21st, the White House announced they intend, notice the future tense, to use a 1952 Berlin airlift era law to compel U.S. flagged commercial airlines to fly expatriates, SIV holders, and other Afghan refugees on from Doha and Bahrain to further destinations yet to be determined. Just today's next step in a process that it appears is still being developed only as the, each new hurdle is, and I put it in air quotes, discovered. As impossible as it is to believe, the evidence is just screaming at us, there was no plan. I voted for Biden, convinced he would end the disorder in governing and restore our trust in a functioning government, in a government that can do. In short, that Biden could begin the healing after four years of chaos. But this week's events have shaken my confidence in Biden's judgment and in his capacity to manage this humanitarian and geopolitical crisis as it unfolds before our eyes. Our allies are shaken, and our adversaries are feasting. And sadly, the poison in our own politics is further concentrated. Our troops on the ground in Afghanistan are rising to meet a moment. The question is, can Joe Biden do the same? 
by acknowledging his mistakes and misstatements, not evading or dismissing them. It no longer matters that the Trump administration left him no good options in Afghanistan. Biden must learn to listen and to make sober, calculated decisions based on sound advice from the military, from his diplomats, and yes, from both sides of the aisle and both houses of Congress. By leveling with the American people, no matter how painful the truth is. And for some days to come, the truth may be very painful indeed. Thanks for listening to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. You can learn more at reimagineamerica.org. Got a comment or an idea for a future show? Email Joyce at reimagineamerica.org or find her on Twitter at Joyce Cordy or at Reimagine Radio. Take a minute now and go to reimagineamerica.org. Join the forum. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you love the podcast, donate and tell others. You can invite Joyce to speak at your next meeting or conference through reimagineamerica.org. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at ricochet.com or c-sweetnetwork.com. That's c-sweetnetwork.com. Together, we really can reimagine America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.